Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And today we have a very special case that we pushed. Actually, sorry, I, I say we. You have no idea what I'm about no, to drop on you. No, I don't. Uh, we had a victim's sister reach out to us and ask if we would cover her sister's case on the podcast. But once I really started getting into it, I pushed it to our production schedule for this week because some time is running out on some things. And so they're trying their damnedest to get the word out as much as possible. Okay. So that is why I was like, hey, I'm I have an extra case. I'll do next week's cases because I wanted to push it forward on the production schedule. So. I see. So there it is. And we really don't have a theme this week. My cases are not connected in any sort of way other than just it's Charnel's week, I guess. Mm-hmm. We had Amber week last week. Charnel's week this week. It only well, makes sense. We're doing all things Charnel this week. Yes. I'm glad, though, because it sounds like there's some things that need to be yes heard so in this case. There are. And even in my next case that you'll hear on Thursday as well. So I do think that it's really important to rally behind this family out. to help mm-hmm. yep this it's the week it's for the greater good week yeah there we go yeah. oh yeah I it like just it. came to me mm. i love watching you give birth <laughs> two <laughs> it's, ideas it's a beautiful process to it, watch it really is yeah so this is actually the case of brianna nugent nix and her sister Brittany nugent reached out to us was like hey can you cover this on the podcast it is one of those cases where it's seemingly solved, but it's not, but it's still an open investigation. The family has not been kept informed well at all, and time is running out, and I will get into those specifics. So I do believe that there is a petition out there as well. I am involved in a Facebook group called Justice for Brianna Nugent Nix. You can join it. Stay updated on the case, help if you have any, you know, additional information, whatnot, but also just to kind of help persuade that this this investigation needs to move forward. It'll all make more sense as we get into it. So the family is the only people advocating right now for this. Okay. 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 There's been some coverage on podcasts, such as what we are doing. Um, and actually, Brittany did a YouTube interview with a with a YouTube podcaster um, called Left Undone and she sent that to me and was like here is is basically all the information just so it's an easy way for her to reach out to all the different outlets that she could and say here instead of having to repeat herself constantly sure sure. here is this YouTube video so you can watch that but that is the information that I've included in this at her request as well. Brianna Nugent was just 32 years old at the time of her death on March 2nd 2020. This is a very recent recent. Mm -hmm. Now, Brittany said that she got a call from Stephen Nix, who was Brianna's husband at the time. That's why her name is Brianna Nugent Nix. Okay. Gotcha. And Brittany was working. She was at work. She said it was 2.23 p.m. And Stephen had said, you need to get over here. Your sister's trying to kill herself. He was not panicked at all, she noted. 
He did not sound like it was an emergency. She just says, are you serious? And Stephen says, yes, why would I joke about this? So she's like, okay. So she rushes over. It took her about 25 to 30 minutes. And when she, by the time she got there, the whole street had police and ambulance and other members of their family on oh, no. it already. Oh, no. When she walked in, she saw Stephen sitting on the couch with each of his parents on, on either side of him. And his version is that he said he was outside on the front per- perch. He was perching. He was perching outside on the front. No, he was outside on the front porch. And he heard a thump, but thought that Brianna had dropped her cell phone to Brittany. Suspicious thing number one is that a person dropping their cell phone does not sound the same. Thank you. I was thinking that in my head, like that's a really loud thud to hear outside and think it was a cell phone. He's outside on the porch because he's heading out. And he hears this thud, thinks it's a cell phone. Now, she does say Brianna is a bigger woman. So she's about, a t- you know, about 200 pounds or so, I think is what she said. So she's she's a bigger woman. And he's like, that's going to sound much different than your phone, phone dropping. Yeah. So he says that he went back inside real quick and called out to her. The bathroom door was closed. Called out to her, I love you, bye. Said he was going to go drop stuff off at the dump and and uh, had some other errands that he needed to run or to do. Now, right away, Brittany is like, suspicious thing number two is the fact that he claims he said, I love you, bye. Brittany had never heard Stephen say, I love you to Brianna. Oh, wow. So she was like. So he's saying, I love you. That's not like him to do when he's leaving. Yep. He's giving these specific details. Again, with the specific details. We've we've talked about this with Scott Peterson. If you're not a Patreon, join our Patreon and you can uh, listen to our very deep dive on that. Yes, he's giving, he's very specifically, I was outside, I heard a thud. I came back in, the bathroom door's closed, I called out, bye, I love you, and leaves. And she's like, okay, right away. And now, she's only been in the house in this scene with all of the EMTs, the police, other family members, that sort of thing, for just a few minutes, but she's already like, what? That's uh-huh. happening. Sounds like her gut instinct was, um, <clears throat> her intuition was telling her something. Yes, yes, exactly. Now, Stephen told Brittany that when he got back, he noticed the bathroom door was still shut in the master the master bathroom, and he tried to open it, but it wouldn't open. Now, immediately, Brittany's like, weird, because Brianna never closes the bathroom door. She is one of those people that is, is an open door bathroom user. Uh-huh. I mean, it's just it's just them yep. in the house. It's, it's just her husband. Family. And her. Yeah, yeah. They don't have any children. Okay. So, so why would you shut the door? Right. Literally, it's just her and her husband, and and he's you know out in the main part of the house doing his thing. Like, so she's like that. Okay, that's weird, weird too. So he's saying I I went to go to open the bathroom door, but it was locked. So he used his fingernail to unlock it. Ouch! I, I know that that. Like grossed me out for some reason. It, that detail, I was just like, too? your fingernail. Like, why is it that long, I was sir? Just to see that? Why is it long enough to pick Please a lock? Please get yourself some clippers. Yes. Crime number one, right here. <laughs> too he's, long of fingernails. He is dead to me already. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I, I think I know what kind of lock that you're talking about yes. because my grandma had one. 
where we would use like my brother and I would use a popsicle stick to yep like unlock That's it. That's what I'm we picturing too. Yep. Yeah. So he's using using but his not fingernail. A fingernail. Ow. And he okay. said, even after it was unlocked, he still couldn't open it because something was blocking the door. So he had to use like legit strength to push the door open, and he first saw Brianna's f- feet pointed towards the shower, and he first noticed that they were blue. Oh. All right, that's the first thing that he describes seeing, and he gets in all the way and sees her, calls 911. Only recently has the family been able to listen to the 911 call, and on the 911 call, they immediately instruct Stephen to start compressions. Brittany stated that in that call, you cannot hear him doing compressions. Instead, he was taking that time to tell his story of where he had been Mm. and how he had come to find her. If you have ever done compressions on someone, and I know one of our listeners that has has actually given us a couple of brain baths now is a paramedic. I'm sure they could tell you. You can't uh, recently CPR certified. (laughs) <laughs> Mama was out of breath right. after those compressions. That's just it. It yeah. takes you can't, strength and energy. You would have to put the phone down and you would have to be focusing on mm-hmm. the compressions. Yep. Not being able to fluently no. talk with the oh, 911 so operator. Number one red flag when someone's trying to convince you of what they were doing. Yes. Versus, Why is that even relevant yeah. right now when you're trying to save your wife's life? Yeah. So that's a red flag for me as well. Now, the family could hear the EMTs come, like, down the street. They can hear the sirens on this 911 call. They can hear the sirens. They hear the EMTs come in and take over compressions. And once the EMTs are in the house, when they hear the sirens, that is when they start to hear him doing compressions. So that to them, to Brittany's family, it seems like... He's like, oh, they're here. I'll start now. Exactly. They're here I'm going to start compressions now so that when they walk in, they see me doing compressions. Now, the original investigator told Brittany that while the EMTs were working on Brianna, he was tripping over them to empty out the garbage can. What? That was in the bathroom. Come again now? Thank you. That was my thought too. I'm sorry, sir, but they are doing life-saving efforts on your wife, who is blue, and your focus is on emptying tidy up. the garbage can. I can't. I can't let the have the crime scene have a an overflowing garbage can. What? Um, not the time for a deep clean. No, sir. Nope. Unfortunately, at twelve fifty four p.m., the EMTs did call Brianna Nugent Nix's time of death, and the nine one one call happened at twelve twelve. The EMTs got there at twelve fourteen. Oh, wow. They worked on her so hard for so long. Yes. And that is fast response time. Oh, my gosh. Kudos to them. That is amazing. Called at 1212, got there at 1214. So they did send her body into Huntsville, Alabama for an autopsy. And I apologize if I did not say where we were located in Alabama. Did I tell you? I can't remember. I don't think you did. But I got lost on my way here today, so I'm not (laughs) very reliable today. And I apologize. This is an Alabama case. I think I just like jumped right in because I was so eager to get the details out. Yeah. I forgot to tell y'all where we were located. So it'll come up in more as well, too. So 
So she go her body goes to Huntsville for an autopsy. Brittany is very confused right from the beginning about her sister being suicidal. She asked Stephen some questions, of course. Um, it sounds like she immediately had something felt not right to her. Well, here's the thing. The two were very close. And she does state on the podcast, or the YouTube podcast that she did, that two weeks prior to, let me back up a little bit, they were often, like, Brianna was at Brittany's house damn near every day. Okay. They were very, very close sisters. Two weeks before her death, she had not been over. She had not been timely responding to her text as she ordinarily would, and things seemed off. Gotcha. So she's very confused at this point in time to Stephen. Like, how did we go from, I saw her two weeks ago. She had no bruises on her. She was happy. She was stable. She was normal Brianna. To now we're committing suicide? Right. Now, I was going to ask, and maybe I'm jumping too far ahead, so... Let me know if I am. But was this a troubled relationship? Like, did the family know that this was a troubled relationship or? We will get to it. Okay. I figured we would. Brittany is asking Stephen questions. Now, at this point in time, she's been pronounced dead. They're they're all there. The body has not been taken away yet. So they're just like trying to figure all of this out. And she's not allowed in the home. Brittany is not allowed in the home. She is out on the um, front porch once once she's pronounced dead and all of that you know she's she is outside the family is kind of kept now they're like we've got to kind of secure this so she's asking Stephen questions Stephen says there was just a little bit of blood what he saw is that there's just a little bit of blood in the sink and on her elbow there was a dent in the wall from where her elbow might have possibly hit but other than that there was no blood or bruises on her body that is what he recalled he said mm-hmm. okay Brianna was a nurse for 12 years, and she worked at the time of her death. She was a nurse working 7 to 7, so she's doing the night shift, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. So by the time that she wraps up her charts and does the shift change and drives home, she gets home every morning about 8 a.m. The police stayed until about 7 o'clock that night asking questions. During those hours of questioning, one of the questions while Brittany is standing there that the police asked Stephen, because she's not privy to Every, you know, she wasn't there for every single bit of this between, you know, her parents show up, she's talking to them. I mean, the family is all shocked. Right. So one of the things that she was present for, though, is that the police asked Stephen for the passcode to Brianna's phone. And he acted like he did not know it. He was very confused. Like, no, I don't know it. Brittany's like, yeah, I know it. Here's what it is. When they opened it, the cell phone was in the middle of a random Facebook video that she had been watching. Brianna is still like, okay. So she was watching a video and then decided she was going to just kill, to just go kill herself. Said. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's what Brittany's thing is. Like right. she's questioning. Yes. Yep. And so they're they're also asking Stephen questions like, all right, so you're asleep in the morning when she arrived home, but why does her cell phone show a missed call from you at seven fifty three a.m. this morning? Because his original story to the police is, I was asleep when she got home. I don't know what time she got home. Like, okay, you were asleep, but at 7.53, you called her. And he goes, oh, yeah, I must have woke up and called her and uh, forgot. I don't I don't know. So then the police are like, can we search her car? He says, sure. I'm like, thanks. 
can we search your truck and take your phone? He refused. Oh, wow. So they did have to get a search warrant for to search for the search of the truck and the garbage. Stephen, okay, this is going to infuriate you. I am already there. Since, since the investigator had to leave, the lead investigator had to leave to go get that search warrant because he said no. She told the other officers there to keep him away from his truck and that garbage. And really the right, scene. Right, right. When she comes back with that search warrant, Stephen had been allowed to not only move his truck, but he also had access to the garbage that he was trying to empty, and he moved it. I need a minute. Uh-huh. Oh, but hold I on. Can't. You're going to need even more minutes. I in can't a right now. It is important that I tell you right now that Stephen's uncle was working the scene the entire time on that Monday that Brianna had died. His uncle that was a law enforcement officer. Her family, Brianna's family, Brittany, all of them, did not realize at first that he was a relative until her funeral when he was a pallbearer. His arrival and departure time was never recorded at that scene. I can't. I, I'm just. I, laying, I have nothing. Know that my silence right now. I'm over here. My body. Like I'm doing a lot of expressive things. Yep. Yep. So he was that whole time that it took the lead investigator to get a warrant. He was allowed access to the things that he knew she was going to get a warrant for because he had How? already denied them access to How? it. How? Why? What? Why? So Brittany leaves between three and four when after they took Brianna's body away. She wasn't allowed in to see Brianna, so she she just needed that much to see her being taken away, okay, taken off for autopsy. Stephen called her a little after seven to tell her that the police had just left. Now, she thinks that the reason Stephen called her is because he knew Brittany was standing there when the police caught him in the lie about the call, the phone call that morning. He calls to tell her that he was really awake. He was just pretending like he was asleep. Let's see. Mm-hmm. I know we. I'm trying to just be selective in what I say, but again, just going back to that, like I'm convincing you yeah. of, of what, what I of was my narrative. doing. Yeah, my narrative. And that's, I know, a huge red flag in, in these investigations. Like, I'm not sharing what I'm doing. I'm convincing you of what I was doing. And I've seen this many times before. So many times. We're a hundred and, what, five episodes in. And in these situations, I mean, I hate to say that there's a bit of a script, but there's a bit of a script. He What he says is he's like, I just didn't want Brianna to know that I was home. I was just seeing where she was at. So Brittany's like, okay. Uh, none of Thank that you for calling. Makes sense. Now, on March 3rd, this is the next day, Brittany's mom and her go to look for a funeral outfit for Brianna. They needed to look for a bra and panties. The funeral home director did say, you know, we need a bra, panties, nice clothing, that sort of thing. So they're looking for a nice pair of underwear, and they, they made note, like, she did not even have a, a nice, decent pair of underwear. Oh, So... She's making note of this because she's like, we thoroughly went through that drawer. And this is important later. Okay. They find her an outfit. They get everything settled. March 4th, they all went to the funeral home and were trying to write an obituary. Brittany took note that Stephen did not contribute at all. He could not think of one good thing to say about her for her obituary. Wow. On March 4th at 3 o'clock, 
He called Brittany and asked her to come over because he found something and wanted to talk to her about it. He, she, Brittany arrives. His parents were on the front porch when she arrived. They claimed that they found two empty vials of fentanyl in the top drawer of her spare bedroom dresser and said that she was taking them to help her with her headaches and to sleep because she, you know, was working third shift, so it's difficult to sleep during the day. He claims that he had no idea that she had this secret addiction, but at the same token claims to know exactly why she was taking the fentanyl. Have you Think ever, about that. Have you ever seen someone addicted to fentanyl? You, baby, you know I have. There's no way you would be oblivious. Nope. No way. And that's exactly not only what Brittany is saying, but the YouTube uh, podcaster that she was doing this interview with is a nurse and was like, um, excuse me, you don't go unnoticed with a fentanyl no. addiction. Hell no. Why? Because you look like death. You sure do. I have seen it. You've seen it. There's no way you would you would not know. Even if you didn't know it was fentanyl, you would know something was going on. Sweetie, I once sat in on a court hearing where a judge was trying to explain to a couple why they were not getting their child back that I had removed while she was chewing on her fentanyl patch. Oh. Mm. It was in her mouth. Oh. The judge saw it. Everyone saw it. The patch had the sticky on it was gone. But she wanted to suck the rest of the drug out during of the, the patch hearing. during the uh, hearing. Yeah, it's just, I mean, there's no way you wouldn't know. At the very least, say you you don't know what that looks like, you would still know there was something wrong. You yep. would not be oblivious to that. There's No. You cannot manage nope. life when you're... And it's important to note that she absolutely looked normal, healthy, functioning. She was functioning. Oh. She's going to work. Her coworkers are like, no, she go, she does her shift. Everything is fine. Okay. That night before she died, everything was fine. That's good to. That's very good to know. Yeah, because I mean that even assures me more. When you said fentanyl addiction, I'm like, wait, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hold it, hold up. But to Brittany's point, she's like, so you claim that she must have had an addiction because I will tell you right now, her death certificate and her cause of death is ruled as an accidental overdose. Okay. Yeah. Oh. So you're claiming this is the narrative that you're spinning, that she had this addiction that no one knew about, but yet you know exactly why she's taking the medication for sleep and for headaches. Also not why you take those things. Right. At all. The other thing to note is that Brianna did take medication. All of her medications that she was prescribed by a doctor all checked out. They when they counted the pills, when they figured out when it was filled, so she there was, was taking no them abuse. as prescribed. She was taking everything as prescribed, except she was everything just in her abusing system. fentanyl, right? Okay, okay, carry on. Okay. The other important thing that Brittany wants people to know is that Brianna never drank alcohol. She never had a history of drug use. She had um, pancreatic problems, and she was prescribed pain pills, and she would not take them because they gave her headaches and made her so sick. So at this point in time, Brittany knows this, and this is what Stephen is saying, and, oh, we found these empty vials of fentanyl. And he's, she's like, um, no, she suffered with her pancreatic pain because she couldn't take pain pills. Right, and then all of a sudden she's like, mm, going to dabble in fentanyl. Yeah. 
also the podcaster pointed this out as well and I agree in with my work experience you don't just go from nothing to fentanyl no you don't no just don't so Stephen did report the two empty bottles to the police of course right right and he also begged Brittany not to go to the funeral home the next day on the 5th because, quote, you don't need to see her like that after the autopsy. It will be too hard to see her like that. That was actually Stephen and Stephen's mom trying to convince Brittany not really? to go. Yep. Don't go. You can't see her like that. So Brittany and her friend were actually were going because they wanted to help do her hair and makeup so that uh, she looked natural. Okay. All right. So they do. And Brittany never really got to see her. And get that. Before, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she wanted to see her. And she's glad that she did because the funeral director, like, really seemed, I feel like the way that Brittany is, is telling this, the funeral director was very open with her and wanted to share information uh-huh. with Brittany. And so the first thing that the funeral director asked her is, how are we going to hide her hands because they look so bad? Oh, my gosh. Now, remember, Brittany at this point, believes that there was only a little bit of blood on her sister's elbow, a little bit in the sink, no bruises, nothing. So she's confused when the funeral right, director like, asks her What are you her talking this. about? Yeah. she. So she's like, um, okay, I need to see the rest of her body. Like, what is going on here? The funeral director was like, yeah, you, you need to see this. Her rel- right elbow is covered in bruises and has two to three injection sites. <gasps> Her right elbow, Brianna was right-handed, and she was a larger gal. So Brittany is like, as a nurse, she would know, first of all, how do you inject yourself with your left hand when you're right-handed? Oh, I can tell you as a lefty, I would not be able to do that with my right hand. No, no, I'm a right-handed person. She's, if I'm she's gonna shoot, useless. If I'm going to shoot something up, yeah, this, literally my left hand might as well just be hanging by my side at all times. I need a sling times. for it because yeah. it serves no purpose does, to me. It does nothing. That's exactly what Brittany is saying. She was right-handed. How did she inject herself with fentanyl? On her right elbow. Now, was this, like, noted in the autopsy? I have no idea because, and neither does the family, because it has not been released to them. I see. Okay. We will get to that. Okay. So she's like, wait a second. Also, my sister is a nurse. So she would know as a nurse how difficult that it would have been for her to inject herself with her left hand, find the right spots because she's a bigger girl. So finding veins is difficult for her. On behind, Just behind her own elbow? And this was to feed her fentanyl addiction, yes. allegedly, right? Yep. Again, just want to s- just note, um, IV drug use is like the le- like the ultimate level. Like we don't. It sure is. You don't start there. No. You don't start there. And I've heard many addicts who have gotten clean talking about like once you get to like IV drug use, that's just a whole nother ballgame. Mm-hmm. So we don't, we don't start with IV drug use. No. I mean, maybe somebody out there did. I don't know. But like, I don't know Typical, the world. Yes. But, but typically. We don't just start off with an, uh, an IV. No. No. We don't. And so. Uh, wow. Now, wow. the other thing, the funeral director did tell Brittany that they have seen a lot of overdoses, but they have never seen anything like this. Her feet and all the way up her um, her left and the back of her legs and both arms were covered in fresh bruises. The inside of her biceps, 
there were older bruises. Now, Brittany did say about six months before all this, her sister did have blood work done, and they have had a difficult time finding her veins and stuck her several times in attempts to draw blood, and Brianna showed Brittany bruises on her arms. Like, look at how it's hard to find my veins. Look at how much I bruise from it. So this is what the older bruises looked like, and Brittany knows that the Thursday, she died on a Monday, the Thursday before she died, she did have a doctor's appointment. So she's thinking she could have got blood work drawn at that appointment, and that's what the older bruises on the inside of her arms are from. But the rest of the fresh bruises, where are those from? Why is this woman covered in bruises? I have so many questions. Right. And it's not bruises from, like, doing compressions, people. These are bruises on her legs. Bruises on her feet. Oh, my goodness. This so, is so This is so tragic. Stephen told Brittany the doctor's name, and when they, the family, at this point, the family is, like, trying to do their own investigation, Okay, too. Okay. Yeah. When they contacted that doctor, the doctor's like, no, I've not seen her in over a year. So they still do not know what doctor she saw four days before she died. They have no idea. Oh, wow. Because Stephen has no idea, because that's how disconnected he was from his own wife. It's. Uh, it, I was getting that impression that he was very much not... He couldn't even think of anything to say in her obituary. Well, and like Brittany said, Stephen told her, quote, her doctor is not going to know anything. He wasn't there. So like that, I mean, that that's as helpful as he's as he's being. And he has not been helpful to the family in finding answers whatsoever. Um, Brittany was seeing a psychiatrist. He did not want anyone to contact the psychiatrist. He's never shown any emotions, not one the whole time. No tears, nothing. And actually... There are reports that he seemed really scared that they were going to be able to bring her back and that she would live. Like it was wow. almost like, uh, yeah. Um, after Brittany saw all the bruises on Brianna, she goes back and asks Stephen again, like, are you sure that she didn't fall? Uh, and he re- reiterate, reiterates again that no, it was just one little prick on her arm and that there was blood on her elbow. Now the EMTs from administering their some of their drugs, they did not do it. In the elbow. Also, Brittany talks very intelligently on the podcast about the difference between the medicine that the EMTs would have administered and the mark that it leaves compared to what these marks looked like on Brianna. Someone was, she was being injected with things. Oh my goodness. The funeral director showed her that Brianna's shirt, this is, this is going to get you because, you know, she came with her personal effects. So the funeral director shows Brittany, Brianna's stuff. Her shirt was drenched in blood. The funeral director said what? she believes the blood is from when the EMT started compressions and Brianna began blooding, bleeding out. Now, Brittany finds this suspicious because Stephen told her that he, quote, about passed out, end quote, from doing compressions. That is what Stephen told the family. Well, he, he was talking on the out. phone. Uh-huh. From doing comp- compressions. Yet there was no blood when he was doing them. And if he almost passed out, how is he not sounding winded on the 911 call, right? So, but also he's like, yeah, there was only that little bit of blood. If you had legitimately been doing compressions on her, like the EMTs were, she would have started bleeding out. That would have been something that would have left an impression on him and he would have said. Gotcha. And the funeral director is like, well, here's her shirt covered in blood, and we've seen this before, and so we believe that it was probably from compressions okay. from her bleeding out. We don't actually know, Amber. 
That's a hypothesis. Bleeding out during compressions. So that's only what? Um, so Stephen is the one that said there was not a lot of blood. Stephen. But there could have been. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, my goodness. This mm-hmm. is this But is And more to the point, if you were really doing compressions, okay, because we know that more than likely when the EMTs were doing compressions, she was bleeding out. Like, how is it that you only saw a couple of drops of blood in the sink and there was just one little prick on her elbow? Right. It doesn't add up. This is not adding up. And uh, that's why I was like, pardon my ignorance, because I don't, I'm not a medical, you know, I, I don't know. For sure. I don't know what right. could have caused that if there wasn't somewhere that she was bleeding out already. Right. Right. I just don't know that. Right. So, I don't know either. Like, but the funeral director was very much like, this could this yeah. they believe it was from the and they saw the, from the CPR body and everything yep. excessively yep. okay yep. Yep. okay I I could I get that I guess the funeral director also showed her what looked like carpet burn from her forehead to her temple and bruises on the bridge of her nose and her whole chin was black oh my gosh mm-hmm. there what yes oh my gosh yep but no but remember Stephen just that little prick on her elbow little. Little bump on her elbow I and am, blood in the sink. I am taken aback right mm-hmm. now. There was also this is compelling. I think when you look at her, the overall picture, just as an investigator, this says something to me. Okay, there was an 18 gauge needle found in the sink that she allegedly used to shoot up. I was going to ask if there was a needle around. There was, and there was an unused 25 gauge needle also found. Now Brianna was a skilled nurse, and she knew her veins were difficult. So she would have had the technical knowledge to know that she would need to use the 24-gauge needle to have the most success in shooting up if that's what her intentions were, not the 18-gauge. If she was at the point of IV drug use, I do believe that she would have known that too. Right. Well, she's a nurse. Yeah. She absolutely knows the correct gauges of needles to use to get any job done as quickly as possible. Right. Okay. Yeah. And this isn't it. These gauges don't make this any is so, sense. So suspicious. On Friday, March 6th, was the funeral, and Stephen and Brittany were the first to go in and be allowed to see her. Stephen had brought her bouquet from their wedding and said, quote, I tried and tried to get her to get rid of this, and she wouldn't, so I'm just going to send it with her, end quote. And that's all he said when he saw her in her casket. Wow. That's it. And Brittany was right there for that. Wow. Here's her wedding bouquet. I'm going to send it with her. And he didn't. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just going to. Mm-hmm. We're just going to leave that there. Yeah. That's there. There's yeah. that. Brittany did say that they did a really, really good job covering up all the bruises on her face. No one saw that stuff during and, the funeral. And mm-hmm. the rug burn. Yep. Yep. Which that, I mean, that's their job. They, it's what they do. So It is. It is. After the funeral, Stephen came over to Brittany's house and was outside talking to one of her friend's husbands. Stephen was allegedly bragging to his to this fellow about how he knows people who are higher up in Blunt County. That's the county that this all took place in in Alabama. And that he can get away with anything. This has Scott Peterson vibes to me. Oh, so much. So much. I'm just saying. I don't know why you would say that at your wife's funeral. No other than... It doesn't appear... I mean, we all grieve differently, but it doesn't... We do. I'm not picking up on um, the grieving process occurring here. But at this point in time, her death was ruled as an accidental overdose. So I do believe that, you know, for Stephen, 
was it noted the bruising and um we by don't, the police or we they don't ju- know. they don't know any of the information they can't get any of the reports they are blocked wow. at every single turn being told that this is an open investigation they are not being told anything but is it an open investigation cuz no one's been arrested no one's been charged nothing wow wow so the friend's husband took that time to reveal that he was a police officer in a different city. And all of a sudden, Stephen's demeanor changed, and he immediately left. Interesting. Yep. The day after the funeral, he was ready to give her things away and called Brittany, asked if she wanted anything. She's like, yeah, I bought her a designer purse for her birthday. I would like some of her clothes. I would like that purse back. I'm sorry. Can we back up for just a sec? Yep. The day after. You said the day after, the day after. her funeral. I'm just going to let you know if anything ever happens to my husband, I'm sleeping in all of his clothes for years. Yeah. I'm not getting rid of anything at first. My, and again, we all grieve differently, uh, but my grandmother still has my grandfather, a lot of stuff yeah, there. absolutely. Like, a lot yeah. of stuff. Oh, the day and after. He's been gone almost 10 years. Don't worry. There's more on that. Oh, boy. So, of course, her, they, her and her mom go, and they um, pick up the purse. He already had all of her stuff packed up, thrown in bags, and he had given a lot of her stuff to his own sister. Yeah, this is the day after the funeral. Um, So she's like, there really wasn't a lot left for us to have. There was some workout clothes and T-shirts with holes in them. Oh, my gosh. While they were there, he was like, while they were there, Brittany, still being, you know, confused about all this, was like, can you reenact for me how you found her? And he did. And his demeanor was totally normal. Now, God, this is like... I mean, if you're trauma... This is trauma. This is like less than a week after she's been found. And he's just reenacting. And he's talking like he's Dexter over here. Yes. Yes. Oh, boy. Then he decides in that moment, after reenacting that, while they're all right there in the master bedroom, he decides to reenact... Or he decides to go through her panty drawer. They did not ask for any panties. They asked for some clothes and this designer purse. Okay. He opens the panty drawer and wouldn't you know it, it is the same exact panty drawer that her mother and that Brit- that um, Brittany had went through unbeknownst to Stephen oh, the he, day okay. after her death. Okay. Stephen was not there in that room when they went through her panty drawer looking for a decent pair of bra and panties for her to wear for her funeral. Right, right. Okay? He doesn't know that. But in this moment, when he's got Brittany right there in the room, he pulls open the panty drawer. She didn't ask for panties. Why are you opening her panty drawer? And wouldn't you know it, on the top, there are all kinds of needles and paraphernalia that (gasps) were not there the day after her death. As if she, to make it look like she was trying to, there was also a bloody napkin, like right on top. Oh my God. And he's like, oh my God, she was trying to hide this addiction. I am, uh, oh, so he's acting like, oh, what is this? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Brittany's like, are you going to report that? He says, yes, I will when I'm finished with my statement to the police because he still had to write out a statement. Pardon me. I look like Macaulay Culkin from Home Alone over here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Carry on. Mm-hmm. You did look like Macaulay Culkin from Home Alone, by the way. I did. Re- as I put my hands to right. my cheeks, I was like, oh, my God, I am channeling Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay Culkin vibes for sure. 
So the other thing is Sunday, the Sunday after her death, she died on Monday, Sunday after her death, they asked about headstones. And he's like, I haven't ordered one. Um, I'd like you to help me pay for it. But I want a double one because I bought the plot next to hers. Oh. Okay, you want the family to help pay for the headstone. You're her husband. Right. And you've bought the plot next to her, you say. And you want a double headstone so it's going to have your name on it someday and, and it's got hers. But you want that family to help pay for it. But you're her husband. Uh, so they yeah, were no. like, we're not comfortable with this because of their suspicions. They're not comfortable with a double headstone. We don't headstone. want your name on it. Yeah. They are not comfortable at this point in time with the double headstone. I get it. I wouldn't be either. Now, it did take, Brittany said it did take over a year for her to get a headstone. On March 2nd, 2021... Her mom texted Stephen and said, you know, have you ordered a headstone? Yeah, I would really love for my daughter to have a headstone. When is she going to have one? He never replied, but soon after, Stephen's own mother put a Facebook post up immediately with Brianna tagged. Brianna, who has been deceased for a year, nearly a year. And the photo was of a double headstone with Brianna's name on it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So this... This post starts to get people to come forward with information that was not prior known because the fa- the family this entire year, 2020, it was a shit storm of a year anyway, you know, the pandemic. It was, a, it was a rough year. They were not being clued in on anything. They have their own suspicions to go by and that's it. But other than that, they're not being told anything. They don't know what's going on. And... When that photo with Brianna tagged, so Brianna's friends, previous friends on Facebook, are seeing it, people start talking like, holy so kind of, shit. Did it backfire? I think so, because it's like, um, why does he have a double headstone for him and Brianna when he was having an affair at the time of Brianna's death? Whoa, there it is. Oh my goodness. This is when her family really started deep diving because they had been kept in the dark. They still don't have an autopsy report. The only death certificate that they have was ruled as an accidental overdose. Stephen has the autopsy report but has not allowed her family to see it. Oh, my gosh. So they gave it to him. To him. Because he's the next of kin. And he has not been labeled as a person of interest. So, yeah. And if you want more to chap your ass, I'm here to tell you, he also got her life insurance money. Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Lord I Jesus. I am using the wall as support right she now. She really is. I want to take a picture. Can I just take a picture of you and post this for everybody in this moment so they can you, see? You do what you got to do. Yeah, that post is going up to show. That's you do the what moment you gotta do. of when Amber was bracing herself. I can't handle this. Because her death certificate says accidental overdose. He hasn't been labeled as a person of interest. So, yeah, he's her next of kin. So he's got all the reports. He's got the autopsy report. He's not sharing it with her family. He has her life insurance money. Yeah. She had a work policy, just so you know. That's what that was. (sighs) Yep. So the family's being told that there's a current investigation. Can you tell me where this case took place again? It was Alabama. Alabama. Okay. Alabama. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Focusing on my breathing right now. You do not only your Kegels, but also <laughs> your Lamaze. My breathing? Yep. My Kegels. Lamaze and Kegels over there to keep you calm. 
I'm just, I have so many questions that I know cannot be answered because Mm -hmm. the family did not get the information. Mm -hmm. So I know throwing the questions out there is not going to help anything, but I'm sure the family had the same questions that I have right now. Brittany says, the family's being told that there is a current investigation, but there's no need to look any further into it. Wait, what? Is There's Steven no- on the police force? <laughs> Did, I don't dare know. I ask. Right. I I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Other than hmm. Steven's uncle being on the police force and, you know, actively working that scene, but was never documented is, as being there. Is and that why he said he could get away with anything? That is one of the higher ups that he was talking about. Yeah. Okay. So, right. and again, the family, Bri- Brianna's family did not put together that one of these police officers were actively working the scene was related to Stephen because they didn't know until he was a pallbearer in her fucking funeral. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, March 13th, two weeks after Brianna had passed away, the original investigator, who I have to mention is no longer working the case. Okay. Um, called Brittany and told her that the vials that were found at the scene did not come from Brianna's hospital, which the family has been told the investigators confirmed did come from from Brianna's hospital. Now, Brittany's family has reached out to co-workers of Brianna, and they have said they've seen pictures of these vials from the crime scene, you know, from the scene. And the co-workers are like, no, those aren't our vials. No, we don't. investigators will not give them the trace numbers on the vials because if they did, the family could trace where these vials came from. Okay. They, they just keep telling the family, nope, we already confirmed that the vials came from that hospital with the trace numbers. So give us the numbers. Let us confirm too. show us. This is Brittany's family's problem is okay. We see what you're saying. And if it really is an accidental overdose, we will as a family come to terms with that. But show us the investigative proof that that's what happened. And so far, you've been unable to do that. Okay, refresh my memory. And I don't know if this is like state to state, but isn't the family entitled to the case or does it have to be cold at a certain it's point? It's an open investigation. So okay, no. so they can't. And if it gets, if it's not open anymore, then then, then they it, can. Then F, it becomes public record. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, goodness. So. So once the investigation is no longer open, they can access all of this correct okay yes but the statue of limitations is running up on a wrongful death suit that ends in march of 2022 this year oh wow hence why i moved this case up yeah yeah so the other thing that you need to understand about narcotics like fentanyl you cannot just willy-nilly take them those are scanned and they are tracked very closely this day and age okay she worked in the ICU. Brianna worked in the ICU. So she did have access to fentanyl. But she's not a thief. She did not use drugs. There is no, there's nothing tracing her to these vials. I was going to say, I'm sure that if it's, you know, accessible in a, a hospital or something, they are carefully monitor, monitoring that. They are because what happens is you scan, you scan like the patient name, you scan your card as a nurse and if you have clearance for the narcotic, for what you're trying to administer to your patient, that drawer often, that or that door, wherever they keep their narcotics, will become unlocked. So you need your card as a nurse to get it. But so your it, name's going to be 
pinned to, to it. Exactly. So exactly. if you're I, at the level of IV drug use, which, I mean, if you're IV drug using, you're you're doing it daily, I'm assuming. Right. You know. Right. And she's not linked to that at and the hospital. No, there okay. is nothing in her employee. No, no suspicion whatsoever. Nothing ever, nothing tracking her at work. They looked into this. The family did too. Did the, well, the, the investigators. We have no saying, idea okay. if the investigators have because okay. they have not said. Okay. But the family has, and the family did hire a private investigator as well. And so they know her employee record was spotless. They know that so her there was no record, suspicion circulating. Like, hey, we think you're mm-hmm, doing this. Nope. We're no, your behaviors that, have declined at work, and that pops up quickly when when you have an ICU nurse that is abusing narcotics. Okay, it's easy to track that way. So, no, there is nothing, nothing okay. in the hospital in her employee records of any of her employment. As a matter of fact, not just this hospital. Like I told you that the family hired a private. Uh, a PI. So it's the private investigator who lets the family know her track record at work is spotless. There's nothing. She's taking her prescribed medication. That that was spotless. There is no red flags here, an addict of any kind. They did put in FOIA requests. If you're not familiar with that, it's Freedom of Information Act requests. And Alabama is giving them issues citing that this is still an open case. So nope, the FOIA requests do not it, you know, um, apply here because it's still an active investigation. But the investigators keep telling the family there's nothing further to look into. So is it an active investigation? Right, What's happening right. here? Now, you said that her her sister was super close to her. So yes. she saw she saw Brittany all the time. Yes. And there was no indication. It sounds like the family had no suspicions that she was addicted to anything. Correct. No, Brittany is a huge advocate of my sister was not a drug addict. So one that would be abusing IV drugs, like they didn't see any of those Mm -mm. things that would indicate, okay, maybe she has a problem. Nope, nothing at all. Just wanted to confirm that. Wasn't super happy in her marriage, but that's all we have here. Gotcha. The other thing is that it has cost the family a lot of money to do the private investigation. Of course. All right. Because the police are not cooperating. They, the police have told them that evidence has been destroyed from that day. We see that time and time again. The police, they saw in the some of the photos that they were able to get a hold of that police were holding syringes with their bare hands. So they determined that they couldn't send those syringes into the lab to be tested because they were contaminated. Why were the police holding them with bare hands? Thank you. What police officer? Was it the uncle? Who Co- was making- COVID glove shortage? Like what? Who was making sure that this crime scene and the way that the evidence was collected was improper so that it couldn't be used as evidence? Because Brittany's cell phone sat out in the open for for 15 months, so it was determined that that was too long. It could have been tainted, and they claimed that the data was gone. So Brittany's like, do they think that everyone is stupid? That we're just, they're going to feed us this information and we're just going to believe it? So essentially what the narrative that they're saying is that basically the police force completely botched the chain of evidence, which is really only their one job in crime scenes like this, by the way, or scenes like this. Even if you think it's a suicide right from the beginning, you don't you don't collect evidence like this. You don't do this. You have one job. I, I mean, I'm no, no investigator, but I, when you said that to me, 
Number one, why would you want to touch a dirty needle mm-hmm. with no gloves on just for yourself? You don't. Why would you want you to do that? Nope. And bloodborne pathogen training, what? Uh, yeah, yeah. every year. Yep. Online. Repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. Yep. Apparently, they're not getting this training. I was going to say, they make social workers do it all the effing right. time. And we don't even have to no, typically I've, do I, I would never touch a dirty needle. No. Um, no. The wow. rule, the rule of any time you're going into other people's home, if it's sticky and not yours, don't touch you it. You don't touch it. <laughs> that is like my mantra of but social work. Those that have to touch it, I'm assuming they would know not glove to touch up. it. Rubber yourself. Yes. And if you don't have a glove, my God, wait in, until you have one. Yeah. Yeah. Just leave it. It's not going anywhere. Oh my gosh. Now, Struggling with this. I just want to say, wouldn't you think that an experienced officer, say like, I don't know, the uncle, um, who showed up right away, maybe took a statement from his nephew, might kind of see that the statement's not matching what he's observing at the scene and maybe intervene however he saw fit? I don't know, Charnel. I'm just wondering, do you think that could happen? I'm not, I'm entitled to my opinions as, you know, an American, whatever. I'm just saying it's not out of the realm of possibilities. And I'm not saying any names. I think that we can say that this case is com- a complete mishandled mess. Um, it seems that either they are being very, very secretive about all information. And, you know, listen, I'm an investigator. I get that. Mm-hmm. I get that. But if you're still investigating and you don't, and there's details you don't want out, you tell the, the family we are still investigating this. We are on it. Not, there's no reason to look any further into it. Right. Stop saying that to the family when clearly there are a million and one reasons to keep looking into this. Right. So that's why we're here today. This is why Brittany reached out to our podcast and said, can you cover our sister's case? I'm going to give you a little more information. Stephen and Brianna were married nine years at the time of death. His best friend died six months before Brianna, and he was in bed for a week. He was a wreck. His best friend died six months before oh, Brianna, wow. and those were his he behaviors. Was okay, gotcha. Some of the information that came out after that double headstone was po- was posted on Facebook. Stephen's old girlfriend was at his house just days after Brianna died. And that same woman is now living with Stephen in the same home that Stephen and Brianna shared, the one that Brianna died in, within six months of her death. Oh, you just answered my question. I wanted to know how soon she moved in. There you go. Within six months. She was at the house within days, but moved in within six months. There was never a history of domestic violence before. I'm sure she was helping him grieve. Yes. Yes. That's what we call it. Oh, Mm -hmm. my God. Yep. Um, I, I will throw this out there. There wasn't a history of domestic violence before. Okay. He was never brought in for questioning. He was never interrogated. They never collected his phone. Anything. They asked him, can you write a statement? And he laughed and said, you won't be able to read my writing. Brittany wrote, spoke up and was like, I'll write. I'll try. I'll write it for you. <laughs> right. You know, like you tell me what you want written down. I'll write it for you. And so that is how Brittany knows that the statement that he gave the police is not the same thing that he told her the day of her de- of Brianna's death or the original investigator. So this the original statement was never put in writing? 
Yeah, she did days oh, later. She did. Okay. Yeah, Brittany put it in writing for him days later and noticed the discrep- discrepancies between what he, the statement he gave police and what he told her in the throes of it. So he originally gave a verbal. Yep. And then she was like, I'll yes. help you. Yep. And the written is they, not the same as the verbal. The story changed, in other words. Huge red flag. Um, they never checked his alibi. Uh, Narcan was injected three times, and you can see where it was injected on Brianna's body that looks different than the needle bar- marks, okay? And you don't need a vein for a Narcan injection. So, no, the marks on her elbow, the all those injection marks on her elbow, that's not Narcan. That's also not where they would inject it either. Stephen is telling everyone that all the marks on her knees, legs, feet, and arms are from the Narcan being injected by the EMTs. That is not true. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? Yep. I have already told you that her scripts were perfect. There was no abuse, no red flags at all that she was abusing. She had just started her job at the hospital six months. The new the job she was currently working at the time of her death. She had just started six months prior to her death. She had to complete a, dr- a drug test to get that job. So you're telling me. She, she was able to clean, clean up for, well, I mean, people try it but oh but you're telling me within six months she went from nothing to straight shooting fentanyl yeah yeah there's that they did not do a hair follicle test to prove how long she had been using they were told that there was a therapeutic level of fentanyl in her system but mixed with her antidepressants it was a lethal combination but her antidepressant meds were not being abused and people mix antidepressants at a therapeutic level with fentanyl all the time, and it would not kill her. So they are being told, like her accidental overdose, is that there were therapeutic levels of fentanyl in her system. Not an overdose level. Therapeutic levels. But because she mixed it with her antidepressants, it killed her. What? And the nurse on the podcast that she was originally, that she originally did was like, nope, not true. How do you think we give narcotics to people that undergo surgeries, things like that, when they're taking antidepressants? The two can absolutely coincide in the body together without being fatal. I'm hoping that the police consulted an expert on this. I don't know. We don't know. We don't don't know. So they, they did find out that she had a high amphetamine level, which was higher than it really should have been. It wasn't like concerning, but it was higher than it should have been. But her prescriptions were all checking out. So they're like, that's weird. Why would she take an extra upper? Why would she take, you know, more of her uh, her um, antidepressants? Uh-huh. Just to go home and shoot a downer. None of that really tracks. But also the um, the nurse on the podcast said, um, hold on a second, her antidepressants wouldn't act as an upper for her. Right. That's not, they wouldn't be, if they're, everything checked out for her prescription and she's taking them by prescription and there's no concern there, they wouldn't be, they're not affecting her in that way that they are an upper for her. So she wasn't taking them that way. A little more that I'd like you to know. So she had prescribed ADD medicine um, and like I said, it wouldn't give her the upper drug effect, all right? But Brianna did tell Brittany that she kept her ADD medicine with her at all times because Stephen would steal them for um, abusive purposes for himself. Oh, interesting. 
Well, that, I mean, that would have been the amphetamine then, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it would have been it wouldn't, in wouldn't her have, system. Yep. Regardless. Right. She's taking it regularly. Yep. But she had to keep it on her person because her husband liked to abuse it. Interesting. The other thing, birthday gifts were sent to Brittany's house because he kept track of all the mail obsessively and gave her a hard time for buying things. So if she wanted to buy her friend or a relative a birthday gift, she had to have it delivered to Brianna or to Brittany's house instead of her own home. Oh, wow. So we have some controlling things. Yeah. Here's more. He didn't work. She had two jobs. And he bitched all the time about her spending money. He had her location on his phone, was always obsessed with where she is. Spending her money. Uh-huh. Just confirming spending her own money. Uh-huh. He had issues with that. Yep, he did. Okay. He was texting her often, uh, accusing her of having an affair. And not even three days later, he had another woman at their house after she died. They did not have any kids, but she actually paid extra to double her life insurance. This is what confused the fa- confuses the family. Why was he able to collect the life insurance if it supposedly is still an open investigation? That's a good question. So, here's another twist. There were no red flags popping to distribute that policy? Not when the death certificate says accidental overdose. Huh. Why does the death certificate say that if it's an open investigation? The case went to grand jury very prematurely, and the lead investigator herself stated that she was not ready and that there there is actually a recorded call that you can listen between the lead investigator who's no longer on the case and Brittany. And what happened is all of a sudden the, the district attorney called the original investigator and tells her and Brianna that or tells her and tells her, excuse me, that Brianna was a witness to a murder, so the case had to be stopped. Like we can't, we can't move forward because Brianna witnessed a murder, and she called Brittany, and she's like, "Listen, the grand jury case was stopped because the DA by the DA today, because apparently Brianna witnessed a murder. Do you know anything about this?" Brittany's like, "Hell no, I don't. She didn't hang out with people like that. I have no idea what, what she witnessed." Then later, the DA came back and was like, oh, sorry, we mixed up our cases. Oh, my gosh, that's terrifying. How does that fucking happen? Nope, this wasn't Brianna that witnessed. Oh, whoops, sorry. Sorry. That wasn't her. Mixed up our cases. Uh, that's, that is scary. Yeah. And, and Brittany called Stephen, and he was like, I, I have no idea. I, I don't think she witnessed a murder. I have no idea. They don't know anything further on this, you guys. So the DA wow. just is like, our bad. Erases. Yeah. Forget that we said that. What? So it didn't go to a grand jury. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So wow. this is why the family is like, listen, if she overdosed, that's fine. We will accept that as a family and we will move on. But show us the investigative, tangible proof that that's really what happened because all the information that we have, that we have witnessed firsthand, says otherwise. So please cough it up. And they can't. And when you get on that Facebook site, the Justice for Brianna Nugent Nix, there is a letter. They post the letters every time that they are denied a report. And it says it's an active open investigation. And the family's question is, if it's an active and open, active and open investigation, does the insurance company know that? Right. Why was he able to collect right. on that insurance money? He's living with his new girlfriend. Do they um, put him as a person of interest or, I mean, no. 
you know, as you've already pointed out, and the family is not clueless to this too, you can't function or work on a fentanyl addiction. You can't. It's short lasting when you do inject it. It doesn't, it does not last, but you are not coherent in that time that it is happening. And the family was told that she was using an 18 gauge needle to shoot into an artery, but she was shooting in her arm, not in a spot where there's a major artery. So they're like, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't track either. And really they feel like they keep being told stuff to pacify them just so they won't look into anything further. The other thing is, is that Stephen wanted Brittany to have a purse that she didn't want. Remember, she wanted that one yeah, designer yeah. purse that she bought her for her birthday. She's like, I don't want this purse. It's like a purse from like 2017. Stephen was insistent that she take this purse. Well, so she takes the purse and, of course, she finds needles in it. Oh, well, wow. Yes. I'm so shocked. Yes. Yep. Yep. The other thing is that, but um, he had no idea she was. Yeah, she had, had no this idea out of control addiction mm-hmm. where there was needles everywhere. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Let's talk a little bit about what was in that garbage can that he seemed yeah. to try to empty. Yeah, that he had a pair of black gloves on when he was going through the undies drawer. Why? That's weird. Why do you have black gloves on? There was black gloves in the garbage that he was trying to empty. Okay. They do have those black gloves in evidence now. They have no idea what was collected. So from they them. had come over and he was just chilling in black gloves? Yep. Why was he wearing black gloves when he was working on his wife that day? Like why are there black gloves? Why are Does there black he have gloves? A black the- glove fetish? Like no what? Idea. I have questions. It's in evidence and they've been and it's not being processed. They have no idea. There is a petition to have this this case re-looked at. So on January 4th, 2022, that was not long ago at all, the family received, this is January 23rd, so So that we're recording this. So January 4th, the family received a letter from the Alabama Department of Forensic Science Lab in response to their request for a copy of reports pertaining to Brianna's case. And the letter, as you can see, plain as day, Deny them access to the records because currently the case remains under criminal investigation. Therefore, the reports are not public record. Does the insurance company know, who already paid out that life insurance, that there's a criminal, in, a criminal, they named it, a criminal investigation? I think that's a very important uh, I mean, question what? in all of this. This warrants thorough and further investigation for sure. There are far too many red flags to just ignore, and I, I'm, I was happy to cover it. Uh, you know, and try to continue to get the word out there. We will link the petition in the show notes. Get on that Facebook group, um, Justice for Brianna Nugent Nix, and help spread the word and and sign that petition to help move things forward for this family. Because at the very least, it deserves a thorough second look. Absolutely. And I'm so sorry to the family and to Brittany for their loss. Me too. This has to be so difficult. Yep. You know, and, and it sounds like their gut instincts, they know something happened they know what happened. They do. And, and it's just they're not getting the support and, and the help yes. that they need. Yep. So I am happy to be a a small vehicle to help them get the word out there and do what, what we can um, to help with this as well. Yeah. I'll go sign the petition. Absolutely. We've covered so many of these cases that then later end up being solved from movements like this. 
Yeah, let's let's do it. Keeping the word going from people reaching out. We've seen families hitting, you know, foot to pavement, doing their diligence. And that is what Rihanna's family is doing. So hopefully in in some way we could help. I truly hope that they get justice Justice. uh, more than anything. Because you and I have worked with many, 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 many people suffering from drug addiction. The pictures of her, the description from the people who know her the best and were with her, her life. It's it truly it's not there. Nothing, the signs aren't yeah, there. Yeah, it does not add up, and the family deserves to know what truly mm-hmm. happened. And it and sounds like if they, you know, if they can substantially prove that it was an addiction, they would accept that. But they, they would, just right. want to know yes. because what they have does not make sense. Yep, and that's what they're asking. That's all they're asking for. That what, is all they're asking what for. What you're telling me does not make sense. No. So I hope they get the answers and I hope they get justice. I will also link that YouTube video that she did. Yeah. um, So that you can see her talk firsthand about her sister. That would be great. Um, You can tell that her unconditional love for her sister comes through on that video. Absolutely. And, and this is why they're still fighting for sure. But the other thing is that I want to make note of, it's not unusual. If you know a nurse, it's not unusual to find needles in a nurse's scrubs. They put things in their scrubs to to make their job easier for quick use. And needles just aren't, it, it's... Do you think that's where the needles came from? I do. I that do were like think in that, the drawer yep. that he was placing. Or yes. I, I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't say oh, that. Right. That, that were uh, suspiciously were found yes, yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. So... I was just wondering... Yeah, so that's not unusual. And actually, the podcaster, who's also a nurse, said it's not even unusual to go home and realize, oh, shit, I have a vial with me of, you know, fentanyl, or I have a vial of this with me. I've got to put it back tomorrow. You know, I didn't use all of it. Like, whatever. She's like, sometimes your mind, you just forget what's in your pockets, and it doesn't make you an addict. So there's even that possibility, too. And she wasn't saying that's what the case was here, but it's just like, she's like, I am a nurse, and I have done this, so I can vouch for this. Well, uh, fentanyl is also very, very easily accessible on, you know, the streets mm-hmm. if you wanted to mm-hmm. um, seek it out. Yeah, it's there. So Abs- we know that. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. All right. Are you ready for a brain bath? My God, am I ready? Yes. Yes. So I have one for you. This was sent to us by a listener. Her name is Linz. And we really appreciate this. We she, do. She sent me a a New York Post. A New York Post. Wow. That sounds, that sounds nice. A New York Post article. And the title grabs you. It says, judge orders parents to pay $45,000 for tossing son's porn sex toy collection. <laughs> and this was just in 2021. Wow. It does grab you. I am in and I need to know what happened. The opening line, and this is what did it for our listener as well. He had a real boner to pick with his parents. <laughs> Whoever wrote this article, can we please be friends? Seriously. Let's see. Um, Mark Lungariello. Ooh, how do you say your last name? Mark Lungariello. Call us. <laughs> Tweet us. Yes. Tweet us, man. We like it already. And here's the best part. A Michigan couple oh. will have to fork over. in a smut feud, family feud 
sparked when they tossed their son's pornography collection in the trash. As a mother of four boys, I'm learning something here. Sex toys aren't cheap. They Porn is aren't. not cheap. It's so true. Do they have to pay that back to him? Yes. Oh my here, here it is. I'm just going to read this article. It's just pure gold. We must have a judge it. here that appreciates him some uh he understands some content. He understands the value <laughs> of pornography, he does. I think. He, mu- he must. I think he knows. A federal judge ordered Beth and Paul working to pay $30,441 for their 43-year-old son David's oh, discarded. No. no, 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 no. Stop it. <laughs> I'm going to snort on air. I can't breathe. <laughs> 43 he's older than us I wasn't prepared for this it's not 18 not 17 I was totally thinking 18 like oh oh, yeah 18 year old son 43 year old son David's discarded quote trove of pornography and sex toys a report said they'll also have to pay their sleazy enthusiast son's (laughs) attorney fees my gosh. $14,519. This was on an MLive article, too. They got slammed. Yeah, they did. Oh, my gosh. The value of the porn collection was estimated by expert Dr. Victoria Hartman, according to the publication. Oh, my gosh. I love Hey, that. Vicki Hartman, hit us Please. up, too. Whoa. <laughs> We want to know what your expertise are. How did you value this porn collection? Do we have a list of inventory? Oh, my God. We don't. I'm curious. We don't, but we do have a statement. We do have a statement about it. So a reported dozen boxed items included films, magazines, and sex toys. But Hartman couldn't value 107 items on the son's list of items because, quote, this is a quote, so there's 107 items that couldn't be valued. They were invaluable. Oh, <laughs> priceless treasures. <laughs> I cannot right now. Maybe exotic uh, collections from around the world. I don't know. It said, quote, however, given the wide range of valutations for individual pieces and the inability of Dr. Hartman to even estimate the value of these pieces, the court declines to use an average value to award damages for these titles. So, in other words, there are some pieces that we just aren't sure, guys, like what numerical what we're value yeah. we're going to put on. I'm so I have so many questions. Like these have to be out of these world gadgets. I guess that even an expert was like that we no can, value placed on this. For sure. I don't even know. What oh, could it be? I don't know. Just a furry round spear? What do we do? It must be so rare yes. that she's like, we can't even put a price this on this. This is possibly the cloth from a Buddha's Asshole. (laughs) (laughs) A Buddha used this to wipe off his asshole. I can't, like, I can't, my brain cannot. I don't, I cannot create something that has no value. (laughs) Right. In in this genre. Wow. David Working had moved in with his folks, folks, that's a hard word, in Grand Haven for a few months after his 2016 divorce. Wow, David, have no idea why you're divorced. (laughs) 
But when it's his, either me or the collection, David. Right. Clearly, he chose, he the, chose collection. the collection. There are invaluable items in there, oh, Amber. Yeah. That is why he's, he's not like, giving it up. There's a price on your head. Okay, it's your hundred thousand dollar life insurance policy. But these pornography items, yeah. items, these, no, these gadgets. Uh-uh. There, there could be, you know, some sex tapes from people who are no longer with us because they're old school porn. Reti- retired veterans yeah, of the of the just, service. You don't I don't know. know. Retired oh veterans of the service. I want to be a doctor in this field. Life choices. We've yeah. made the wrong ones. We yes, we have. We went to the social work and podcasting world. <sighs> what were live we and learn? I didn't know this was even a thing. So he moved in with his parents, but when his parents sent some of his belongings to his new home in Indiana, his favorite X-rated possessions never arrived. Frankly, David, I did you a big favor getting rid of all this stuff, his father said in an email after he inquired about the collection's fate. They must have come upon it, and they were, like, horrified. Absolutely. They probably are. They are from Grand Haven, Michigan. They are Baptist, just good old country folk. A collection of this value had to have been like a small museum in these boxes. So they probably. I will tell you, valued David valued the lost items at $25,000, but wanted more because of the destruction. The distress of losing his life's work. The destruction of, of the property. How is he to get off now, Amber? I ask you that. That's where it's like. How is this man to relieve himself I, of his sperm? You're right. I want to know, like, I want to see the expert testimony of, like, this is a rare 1923 butt plug. Valued. <laughs> valued at 10000 No, you're going to. I almost choked it. on my drink. I just threw like, my phone. I yes. always want details, so I want to know how this played out. Like, Listen, you know, these nipple tassels were made European. Of, they were made of copper. They, they are European copper. Do you copper. know how valuable copper is? Oh, my gosh. This is my favorite. Some of the more explicit items were stored by the working parents. That's their last name, working. W e r k i n. Not. Thank you for. Yeah, I just realized it sounds like war. You know, like they're working a job. No, their last name is working. Okay. In a safe deposit box because they thought it might be illegal. The court papers said they didn't even want it in their home. Oh my gosh! This must be on a whole nother level. It is gerbil level. It's it's a golden gerbil. I know. I'm thinking like no. mutated gerbil. Three-eyed fish from it the went, Simpsons. It got into the Ninja Turtle ooze. Is it? Like something is going on. Oh my God, it could be some of the turtles. I need to see this collection. I, I will know. not stop my entire life Dave. until I do. David, call us, man. Please, We want to know. This is his life. This is 43 years. Well, okay, maybe not 43. This is a solid. At least 20 years of collecting. Collecting. At least or more, maybe 25. Yeah. I I get why he was upset. Yeah. David won his lawsuit last year, but the judge held off on a ruling until damages could be determined. Quote, in this case, there is no question that the destroyed property was David's property. Can you imagine? His DNA was all over it. It is David's property. You can't destroy it. Yeah. 
Defendants repeatedly admitted that they destroyed the property and they did not dispute that they destroyed the property. So they, they have they have to pay. Yeah. And you know what? I probably would be like, listen, I got rid of Satan's pornography. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because this is a house of the Lord. This is the and devil's I will not juice. Yeah. Yes. For sure. The devil's juice. We and, can't have it here. But it was not theirs. It was it not wasn't. theirs to destroy. It was not. It was David Workings. I mean, what it's about David's that? workings? What about that? Like the nine tenths of the law, where it's like if it's possession. In my house, that oh, fuck. I don't know. Is that the wine talking, or are you brilliant? Uh, you know, it could be a little of both. I don't. Maybe I don't that's know, an old law. I don't know. Maybe that's like a old. I'm old timey, so maybe it's something. Could be, know. but I'm just telling you, this Michigan judge ruled that they're coughing up. $43,000. Wait, I'm, I'm sorry. $45,000 for their 43-year-old son's pornography collection that included 107 items that couldn't even be valued because they were so out of this stratosphere. Can you imagine this court hearing? I Can you even imagine wish it? Of all the fucking court hearings I've had to sit in on, not one of them were this interesting. Although I did have, uh, I did stumble upon during a drug raid a very impressive porn collection. Mm, It did come up in court, but it was not nearly this thrilling. It was really just necrophilia. Now, you know that to get a price estimate, items had to have been inventoried. Itemized. For for court. 100%. So, oh God, I just want to know what's on that list. Black, raging, Kong, dildo. Yep. I don't even know. I'm so bad at it. This is why I don't. The the Raging Kong, valued at $159. But is it in mint condition or is it used? That depreciates the value. If there is not a product out there called Raging Kong, (laughs) we are going to make it happen. TM, TM. It's trademarked right now. The Raging Kong. No one steal that. Right. So. Okay. Like, I just. You know what? I'm taking the trophy. I have. <laughs> I, Are you? I got the. Tro- Nobody knows this if they're not a Patreon, but I got the trophy for best brain bath. Yep. In my bonus episode, you did, and you should in join the Patreon. shape of an anal mint. It was an anal mint. Um, and if you want the story, you gotta seriously you gotta subscribe. Please join as a Patreon because the bonus episode that Amber did for January it was good. Was fucking amazing. It was good. But you passed that trophy and yep. now I'm going to take that mint okay. and I'm passing it back to you. And now it takes in the form of a raging, raging Kong. Kong dildo. It's yours. Yes. Every time we pass the trophy, you guys, it changes shape into whatever the story yes. was about. So, yes, Amber's brain bath was about an anal mint. So that was the guy's name, uh, username. Hey, yeah, username. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I, I'm sorry. His username was <laughs> Minty Fresh Anus. Minty, Minty Fresh Anus. Minty you Fresh Anus. This is the best. Yeah. So I'll take your anal mint <laughs> and I'll raise do. you a Raging Kong dildo. It's the least I could ask. That and was good. That was a good one. That is the best sentence I've ever said. And thank you so much for sending that. That yes! was that's just the best. Oh was my god, golden. I love it. 
Guys, we're on all the social media platforms. If there's a funny headline in your area, send it to us. We, we will, love it. Yes, we will use it. And you can let us know if we can use your name or not. And Or if you have your own personal one, send mm-hmm. those too. We use them. I am spinning some personal ones for uh, the next couple of episodes that I do. Follow us on social media. Feel free to join us at, for more fun at CrimeCuriousPatreon.com. And until Thursday, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Don't forget your anal mints. <laughs>